Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Wait a minute! You don't you don't look like Matt Watson. No, I don't. And I also don't drive any of those cars that he has either. I have a used Mini Cooper. Oh wow, that's true. How do you fit in that? It's difficult, but once you get inside, it's like a clown car. I mean, there's I get so it. much room inside. There's there. so many things I'm not saying right now to Jeff Julian, who is sitting in for Matt Watson, who is currently on vacation somewhere in Texas. So yeah. welcome back, Jeff. Well, thanks. It was a great time coming on the show the first time. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the topic we're going to get into today. All nine people that listened to your episode gave it a five star. Hey, I think there was quite a few more than that, but... Maybe, maybe. I'm a little surprised that people keep listening, but I wanted to make sure that we got something out. Now, uh, the reason I brought you in on all of uh, 68 minutes notice today was, well, I wanted to publish something, you know, because we've been a little... uh, a little slow with that, with me traveling overseas and now Matt going on vacation and amidst other kind of winter illnesses. But, you know, you are uh, much like myself, a podcast host, an author, and someone who may have entrepreneurial ADD. Yeah, absolutely. Is that fair? Yeah, um, definitely. You know, I, we, we went over to Europe because we were gone as well, and we did some tracing on our lineage. And every time we would find a person, there was entrepreneurship in there. So did you just stop and ask everybody in Europe if they were related to you? Pretty much. No, I mean, Ancestry.com and those tools that are out there are just amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's a, a whole nother ecosystem out there of people who have geeked out about this, but... Um, but yeah, we've got entrepreneurship in the blood. And I also think part of that is uh, the educational aspect. So being a writer, being a blogger, being a speaker, you know, pretty much being in front of people all the time, you have to love sharing with people yeah. and you have to love seeing people grow. And that has a lot to do with what I want to talk about today, which is building your own personal brand. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's one of those key features that most startup owners don't drive in before they ever open up their business, before they ever fill out any paperwork. That would have been the differentiator for them to get them through those harder times because people sure. don't know who they are. And I think that it's it's interesting right away. You've already commingled the idea of being a startup founder and your business with your own personal brand. And I'm using the word personal but they do certainly overlap and have a lot to do with each other. So, you know, I, in regards to building a personal brand, I think that's something that's been a buzzword um, in a lot of circles. And it's been something that you hear a lot of people talk about. And it's kind of like a lot of things in life where there's a lot of people telling you need to do it. And then there's uh, like 100 articles that all give you the same five reasons why or how. But I don't think that most of them are very useful. So I think that uh, today would be a good day to share some ups and downs about that whole process. Yeah, I think when you read those articles, if you look behind the person who wrote it, are they trying to get your business? And if they are, if that's content marketing, which is fine. I love that aspect of it. Um, but you always put up. I always put up a little bit of sensor on there to say, look, they're they're trying to convince me to go a certain way because it's beneficial for them. 
But if it's a life change, if it's something like a personal brand, I feel like you need to look at the people who have personal brands and listen to, to what they say other than somebody who's just like life coaching you through it. What's your definition of a personal brand? I think it's somebody who you could identify outside of their work. So their name. So they're not just John Smith from company XYZ. Yeah. They're John Smith who also happens to work at XYZ or do ABC. Absolutely. And I think a big part of it is that they are also detached from their personal brand in the business aspect. So you're not like Dave Ramsey. He is Dave Ramsey. Everywhere you go, it's Dave Ramsey. And so that is a business. It's not a personal brand um, where if he owned like another a publishing company or something like that, it would be a personal brand and then a corporate brand. Sure. And, you know, I think that you're spot on with that. Um, I actually talk to people about this just, I mean, more so casually or, you know, over lunch or whatever. But, you know, I've spent a fair amount of time really or more so over the last 18 months kind of doing this for myself. And um, a lot of it came from some of the things that I was planning on doing, like publishing books. And I was like, huh, well, you know, this is a big part of some of that. Maybe we should go ahead and finish it off. But, you know, there were some other particular benefits that I felt that would come from it. Um, you know, in, in the business that I exited at the end of 2016, for the prior eight years before that, I'd kind of just been in my own little bubble. Yeah. And we had done, I say we, meaning, you know, we had a lot of businesses, including Gigabook, and we had done a lot of stuff, but I hadn't really gotten out there a whole lot. And I felt like I had a pretty cool story to tell. So I figured we'd go ahead and start doing that. And, you know, fortunately for myself, I also um, kind of helped, I helped another person build their brand along the way. So I got to, in some ways, get paid to yeah. learn what was working for them. But what worked for this guy didn't always work for me. So I think we can get into that. What are what are some of the reasons uh, that you worked on your own personal brand? So early on, because um, I've built two personal brands, which is funny to say, you, I'm still one person. Do you have a twin? Yeah, because I'm still one person. <laughs> but I had a, a career in software development. And that's kind of where Matt and I met each other, right? We were in college together. I was going to apologize um, for the career and software development yeah, part. I know it's been it's been awesome, but at the same time, it's been um, just crazy. But early on, I found that speaking at user groups, sharing my knowledge with people, allowed for me to find better jobs, to get better insights, to get more respect in the industry. Now that's what I was going for. And so, to be an expert. Yeah. And yep. so I started a community to help other people do it, um, continue to grow, continue to share, speak, run music groups, do podcasts, um, do large events. And through that, I built up a brand as the software developer guy who helped other software developers. And then now as a marketing guy um, that helps marketers, I had to that clout that I built up in that world didn't come over. It was great anecdotal stories. Because you, had, you had, because you hadn't separated them? No, because no one over here talks to anybody over here. Oh, gotcha. And so marketers don't read software developer magazines or go out and search for software developer topics, right? So they don't ever collide with each other. So because my brand was over here, it didn't shift over here. 
And so I had to rebuild a brand as somebody who understood marketing, somebody who could help marketing teams grow, who could help insights, you know, that way. But so that's why I kind of had to build those two different brands. And it was like starting over. I think the thing for me that I tell people a lot and, and the importance of this is it's a very long process and it's, and, but, but the main thing for me is, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different things. I have a lot of different interests and, but I'm always going to be Matt DeCourcy. I'm always going to be me. So that, that reinvestment in myself um, was important. And, you know, I felt that I had something to say and I like saying it. Um, I like helping people. I like, I, you know, I mean, we spent a, you know, Matt Watson and I have spent a pretty significant time over the last 26 episodes prior to this talking about all the shit we've done really poorly, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe even more so than the stuff that we've done well. So, you know, I've taken a very kind of candid and, uh, and, uh, uh, humble approach to, you know, not saying, Hey, I do it. You do this. I do all this. Great. I do this. Great. You know, it's more so like, Hey, you know, I'd like to help you out. Um, I think for me is, is also, I realized the importance of standing out a little bit and, um, mainly like, you know, regardless of where you are in life or achievement, it doesn't even have to be professional. It could be within any walk of anything that you do. There's always a lot of people at whatever level you're at and you can feel really successful. And then, you know, you can look around and, and you've got all the whole nother, you know, mountain to climb. And, you know, for me, I felt that in order to kind of get where I wanted to be both now and later, that I had to do some things to kind of accentuate that certain thing. You know, for me, I started to write in books and I know you've done that too. And we'll talk about that a little bit. So are there some reasons why you wouldn't want to build a personal brand? So in every room, if you have a whole bunch of people in there, somebody has to stand up and be the leader. Or just nothing happens, right? You just continue. There's always going to be somebody that looks out in the room and says, hey, we need to do something. Let's move forward. And that's somebody like me or you. Yeah. You will take charge when somebody needs to take charge. I've been, that's natural for me. And so, But what about of, for the people that aren't? That's yeah, not natural. And so part of a personal brand is if that's not who you are, if you're going to freak when you get in front of people and have to speak, if you're going to um, not be able to convince people to to take something to make a move to make a change in their life and commit to that that interaction with them then don't build a personal brand because it's going to be fake because yeah, i was going to say i was going to say i think a good reason as well is like if you you know it you'll be your message and what you have to say past the first 15 minutes is going to become very transparent meaning like people you can't fake it for so long. And if you don't have something unique, it doesn't even have to be totally unique, but if you don't have something refined and well thought out to say, and if you can't give me a good reason why I should be listening to you, well, you're going to have a tough time. Yeah. And a lot of it goes to being an extrovert. Even if you are introverted, you can, you can change that into being a compassionate person about the, the people who are coming together. Um, it would be like if you were a musician and you hated the audience, that just doesn't make any sense, right? A lot of musicians feed off the audience and same with people with personal brands. When you're out there and you're speaking to your group, you're writing a book for them, you're sitting down and putting words on page that you feel like you're 
communicating with a set of people, and that's what's keeping you going. And it's not just for yourself. It's not just for your you know, money and, and the business and, and benefit. That's all so superficial, and people see through that real quick. We've all met the speaker that's up there that doesn't know what he's talking about. Somebody else wrote his presentation. He's up there, you know, agency owner at this event and he's saying these things and all these big words, but he didn't know what he's saying. Agile marketing, my topic is like the perfect one because right now so many people are using it as a buzzword that they have no idea what it is. And so you'll hear them drop it. And it's like, uh, you know, this is so fake. I feel like that brand that you're trying to build is actually going into the negative now instead of, of the positive because I can see through you. Now, I think, the, all right, so my wife, very admittedly is one of those people that would rather die than speak publicly. And I'm, I'm, I, I mean that I think she would contemplate death yeah. over speaking to a large room of people. Um, she feels sick to the stomach and stuff like that. Now, if you're, if you're one of these folks, can you build a personal brand? You can, because you can think about it. So does that camera make you feel the same way when you can get a, the same audience, you can get 4,000 people around to watch your video and when you sat in a room and recorded for them, it didn't give you that that feeling, that same feeling of fear. Um, you probably will never be the world's best public speaker. I mean, right. if you've seen like the King speech and totally. stuff like that, right? Yep. It takes people a long way to go to get over those fears. So that's never been something that's been difficult for me. Like my wife doesn't understand that. Like I, you know, I've spoken to large groups of people and been paid well to do yeah. this and she'll say well aren't you writing a speech i'm like yeah i got it on this card she's like there's 12 words on yeah. it i'm like i couldn't have it any other way yeah um now and that's the way i think it, for me i didn't but i think i think you're right about the recording part because here's the thing like you can have as many tries like for all the listening audience knows this could be our ninth try at this yeah it's not it's not. No, we both can wing it. We could do yeah. a six-hour show today if we wanted to. And we might. Um, it's very poorly thought out. If you guys could be here with us, we have a very small whiteboard with a very small amount of words on it. And that is mainly so we just don't talk for 92 minutes on one yeah. thing. Okay, so there's some options. Now, I think that if you're going to build a brand, you have to think about like what? You know, what, what's your objective? Like, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to reach? What's your goal now? What's your goal later? Um, you know, and some of that. And I think the very, you know, what we're talking about right now with introvert, extrovert, or however you want to, you know, phrase that has a lot to do. Like, what are your best traits? You know, me, I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm a talker. It's never been, people have never said, oh, Matt, he's so quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And like for me, it's uh, I'm very analytical and I solve problems. And but I also have empathy for all sides of the equation. So when it comes to software, most software developers don't give a rip about the person clicking the buttons or don't give a rip about the person who's bringing them the requirements. They only care about themselves and their huddle. Well, I like all of them. Right. I want to know what the person's doing when they're clicking a button. And I want to have empathy for that person. I want to try to get in front of them, get in their shoes, see what they're doing. And I understand that the business side, they have a problem they're trying to solve. There's some sort of key objective for the business. So let's understand what that is. Let's get to those conversations. Um, see, I'm like a different kind of analytical because, like, I think at my core, I'm, I am and always will be a salesperson or a promoter yeah. of sorts. And I'm not asking why you're clicking the button. I'm asking why you aren't buying. Yeah. 
And it's a different set of things to answer. Now, back to the traits, though. So if, okay, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, there's some people in life that are just likable, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. I mean, they could like be lettering. Well, yeah. well, in front of a, in front of a bunch of people that are that are protesting the earth being littered and they're so likable that they'll get hugs or yeah. something like come here you clearly need a hug to stop doing and this. And there's there's a lot of good research out there that shows like how do you become likable? Right. And one of the easiest things you could do is ask two questions instead of just asking one. Mm-hmm. So if I ask you, "Hey, how are you going? My name's Jeff. What's your name?" and then I ask you something about yourself because I ask more than one question, you feel I'm interested You're in interested, you, right. and now you start to like me. And if yep. I can continue to remember that, I think a lot of people have problems, like to say I have problems with names. It's like, then write it down, right? Get to know people, you know, start to understand more stories than just your own, and then always just be listening, you know, more than talking and, and building those relationships. Because that is... And a personal brand, it's all about relationships and it's all about word of mouth and somebody saying, hey, listen to this podcast. I love this podcast. And especially on this podcast medium, it is so personal. You're inviting them into your ears for a very long period of time. It's almost more personal than video because they're usually doing something else, but they're concentrating on you. It's a good thing we're not on video right now. I don't know. I think we can pull it off. Maybe. I mean, I think most people would maybe respect the hustle. I'm wearing a T-shirt and some Yeezys right now, which I'm comfortable, man. Yeah, the respect the hustle. It was clean. Hey, it's soft and it's nice. But so you you talk about traits. Now, um, for me, I've always been known for being candid. Yeah, maybe. And and some people that doesn't go that well. But I've tried to translate that like in both of my books, like my first book, Balance Me, which came out almost a year ago right now. um, I'd say in the beginning, like that book's all about like trying to learn how to get what you want out of life. And I'm like, if you can't admit that you might be your own biggest problem, just put Mm -hmm. the book back because I can't you're not going to get anything out of this. Yeah. And that's the kind of candor and, and stuff that, you know, I've tried to bring over to everything that I'm doing. Now, when you're trying to choose what your focus is going to be, I mean, you're probably best off to stick within the wheelhouse of your own wisdom, right? Yes and no. I would say, what are your key objectives? So for you in this podcast, if I want to be key, famous, Jeff. Exactly. That's so a that, shitty objective, exactly. by the way. But for you, yeah. it's like. Why did you start the Startup Hustle podcast? Because startups would probably not be the best gigabook customers. It's no. more likely small offices that are established mm-hmm. that have lots of routine customers coming. Yeah. So what was like that reason will drive you down how you're going to make this personal brand work for you and something that you can commit to. And what are you going to get out of it? Me personally, I like working with with early stage businesses. Um, I like working with any type of small or medium sized business. I'm not a huge like big company guy. Um, I like to fix it or build it or sell it. Mm. Um, and I get a personal sense of satisfaction out of that. But I think for me, the thing that I've always appreciated over time is like that that feeling of man, if someone had just told me. Now, I don't know if I would have listened, but yeah. there were so many things that, you know, I could have like, and I, and I, I'm a knowledge hound too. I really seek it. And not just like, I don't read the last book I read. I, I also wrote, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not a big reader. I, you know, honestly, I don't listen to other podcasts either. Yeah. Um, but I do try to find people that have unique knowledge or wisdom and, and try to have some kind of knowledge transfer with them. And, 
and I, I've understood the, the power of that in my own life. Now, I think that anytime you can give someone that transfer, you know, knowledge is not meant to be kept. Yeah. It's meant to be transferred and passed along and, you know, whatever. I mean, these people were drawing things on the side of the cave mm-hmm. all those years ago for a reason. They want to pass on a story or whatever. And doing so without an expectation of return is a very powerful thing, in my opinion. Like, yeah. you know, here it is. Like, learn all the crap that I didn't do well and hopefully, like, save some money, save some frustration, you know, be successful or maybe be happier and like do with that as you may. Yeah. So when I hear that, I see, okay, long-term strategies for going forward with this podcast is you're an entrepreneur, you're not Gigabook. Right. So Gigabook came out of some ideas, but you could have other yeah. ideas. And so this could be a great avenue for meeting other entrepreneurs and it actually has been. Yeah. an investment strategy for you to yeah. be able to invest in earlier stage start- startups. It's also a great place for being able to broker conversations between VCs and startups. Sure. And so that's another potential monetary avenue. And then there's always with media, there's always that thing you could fall back on advertising. So who would want to be with the audience and allow you to continue to have such empathy and kind of like sharing insights, not just yours, but other people's insights and you build the community and then you allow other people to have access to that community for money. So those are three great ways that you could take this podcast, move forward with it, and not be so attached to Gigabook. And I love that idea because if it's attached to Gigabook, you're going to be here writing stuff about don't forget to say about this product feature and all this stuff. And it becomes marketing. Yeah, that's not – that's yeah, you know, it's funny too because, you know, Matt Watson and I, um, I mean, we kind of agreed about that in the beginning. He was like, because here's the thing. Let's be realistic. Like, I mean, we've been getting, all right, so maybe we're mildly, this show has been mildly popular. But I'd rather give this to everyone with ad free mm-hmm. than uh, the 50 bucks yeah. I might make an episode. It's just not worth it. Like, actually, it might actually take me more than $50 worth of my own time to edit the ad in the middle mm-hmm. or something. But I think overall, it was not really with you know, related to the advertising. Now, I mean, maybe if we're getting a million downloads, I might change my song about that because that might actually warrant it. But yeah, I think when we talked about it, I mean, taking someone else's ads in would be also self-defeating. I think between Matt and I, we've got enough, uh, ships in the harbor that yeah that, exactly. they need to be There's, put out to sea. There are like, other ways to yeah. make money. And that's one of the things like advertising on podcasts, you know, just to kind of get down this because I think people are interested in it. Well, you actually um, generate some money through your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So what I do is I, I try to find the benefactor approach. So if I'm going to go out and I'm going to build an audience, I'm going to build a show, we're going to do something long term. I want to say who else can benefit from having this audience and who can come alongside me and become that key sponsor and be with the content forever. So I'm thinking like soap operas and like craft, right? This this soap opera is brought to you by this person, not like inserted ads through there because then I can vet the company. I can make sure they're invested. I can get a larger sum of money than I would off of just pure advertisement because we're out there, we're building a mission and we're, we're moving forward. So that's usually like longer term contracts. And a lot of podcasters make way, you make, you know, great intros, but doing that and not necessarily saying, I'm going to run a Google ad or something like that. Uh, very candidly, I run into a lot of consulting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, certain agreements 
prohibit me from saying who or with yeah. or what, but I mean, even with some people that have already been on the show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a plus. And if it's a good fit and I, I like doing a lot of different things, I just don't have a whole lot of time for that. But yeah. I do have a little bit. So, you know, still on the topic of what, um, do you think you need to position yourself within an industry or decide that you want to be an influencer or is that a, is that do you do both at the same time? Yeah. So is, is it, Deep or is it wide, right? Is it an industry vertical you're going after or is it kind of like a, a total market? Like for me, I'm at, I'm interested in enterprise marketers. And I don't care if you're from banking. I don't care if you're from, um, you know, hospitals or anything like that. I just want you to be a marketer on the team. Um, and so that means I'm global. That means I have to talk about all these other conversations. Um, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, the mad money style where I'm only caring about um, these niches. So I would I would sit down and say, is there enough information on the topic you're going to talk about that you could keep a particular audience's attention for a long period of time? Or are you going to struggle and start to go outside of your comfort zone to keep the conversation going? Because like you said, you you know, on Facebook Messenger, and you said an hour ago, hey, Jeff, do you want to come do a podcast? And I said, yeah. And then we came in here, we're going to record the podcast, you're going to edit, release it. And those are the, that's the kind of trail you can get to if you don't have a big enough backlog on your podcast. And you have to keep this thing going. And so it's good that you have a topic that is so wide that we can talk about anything. Sure. But so narrow, we're not talking about social media marketing today. That's actually one of the things uh, in the upcoming episodes that, you know, when Matt gets back in town, um, we're going to kind of broaden the scope a little bit because, you know, because he and I both have such a, you know, we know a lot of people that are in, you know, software and different stuff like that. Well, those were the first people that we reached out to. But in the beginning, you know, my mission statement for this, I wanted to focus on all different kinds of startups. Like we're going to go to a restaurant startup and eat some wings. Oh, yeah. And do some different stuff like that. Um, You know, have someone coming in that's a a sports broadcaster because that's kind of in the same Congress with building a brand. Mm -hmm. That's a hustle, man. That's a lot lot of work. And you'll see little micro brands start to pop up out of your brand. And sometimes it, it grows beyond you. Like I always wanted enterprise marketer to be beyond me because I know their strength in having my own personal brand and other people's brands built up. And so we're launching a new series called careers where we're going to go into businesses and record interviews with people just talking about their job. Because if you're getting out of school today with a marketing degree, what (laughs) job are you going to apply for? There's a billion titles. Oh man. I almost said, I almost said being a waiter. Exactly. But I didn't want to like be, I didn't want to like, I mean, that sounds negative, but like, I mean, it's kind of like lawyers. Yeah. It's, you know, like people think because you're a lawyer, you make a lot of money. You know, most lawyers don't make shit. Yeah. Because there's so many of them. But even then, like there's different types of law and there's different positions in the, the legal field. In the marketing field, people make up titles and then they make you go do that. And so you're the social media coordinator or you're a marketing manager, but guess what? Those might actually be the same title. Just two different companies had no idea what to call the position. I was doing a a very like brief consulting uh, pass for a friend of mine's business last week. And he said, well, what what kind of, you know, staff do you think I need? And I said, you need a CAO. 
He goes, what's that? I said, a chief anything officer. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I don't know if that's a real thing. I felt like I made it up. I probably didn't. But like, you know, you need someone that wears all these different hats and does all these different yeah, things. Yeah, see, I call it the CXO, chief experience officer, right. because overall it's the internal experience, the external experience, and everybody uses the acronym CXO to represent the whole C-suite. And that's what it's like. You need somebody who represents the whole C-suite. Right. So what's your chance of becoming a true social influencer? Oh, man. Uh, it depends. It depends on the vertical and in the niche. So what's the conversation? So if you were going after um, bowlers and you weren't a very good bowler yourself, it's probably pretty slim that you'll become known as a bowling uh, influencer because you're not doing the work, right? Um, but then there's people that just want to do like some of the stuff we look at, RVs, right? There's all these families that are sharing their RV trips on YouTube and they've got, you know, several hundred thousand subscribers and it's just them recording, like just doing travel logs and sharing stuff. But that industry is so young that they can record anything and share it and people will watch it and be okay with it because it's so early and people are usually sitting in their RVs looking for something to do and they watch this and it's like the instant like they understand me because we're doing the same thing but very soon that industry that's not going to work anymore and you're going to have to have people who are adding value to it so that could be a great place to disrupt to show uh, families how to live on the road and maybe do school and do other things where it's valuable. You watch an episode and you feel like you got a dollar fifty worth of stuff and it was worth your time. I think a big part of it is picking things that people are really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, last year uh, I did a lot of work with a, uh, a sneaker resale shop out in Las Vegas. And the owner of the store is a very well-known person in the sneaker community. And, you know, I helped him launch a YouTube channel. He's got over 140,000 subscribers. It's been roughly a year. That's a pretty good turnout. Now, based on that, I decided to kind of launch my own YouTube channel. I quickly realized that, well, A, there's a lot of people that do it. There's a lot of people that were doing that for shoes as well. But people are very passionate about fashion and sneakers. Like I'm a sneakerhead. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know that I've got way too many shoes, like more than I'm even comfortable admitting. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a lot. I don't even know, actually, maybe I'll count it and that'll be my next YouTube video. But, you know, I realized like when it comes to business and different things, well, for, I'll give you an example. So my first book balance me was about how to live a healthy, well-balanced life. And it sold 10 times worse than Million Dollar Bedroom, which is about making a whole lot of money in the extra bedroom of your home. Mm -hmm. Because people care a lot more about being rich than they do about being happy and healthy on some level. So now, you know, and also there's a lot of people that are out there saying, you know, delivering messages. Let's let's kind of... And I would say like 10 years ago, the self-help section in a bookstore, when there were bookstores was one shelf. What's a bookstore? Exactly. And we're we're, we're going to talk about books here. Today, in the yeah. equivalent yeah. of a self-help section is nearly half yeah. of like the, the store is self-help. So there's so much noise. And that's the other thing you got to look the at. The terms, well, balance me in many ways, it classifies as self-help. Yeah. And I, I don't really like that moniker because there's literally a huge portion of people that are immediately turned off by that. They're like, 
F you. I don't want, I don't, why do I need your advice? Because so many other people have screwed it up for you. And that yeah, goes to it's the just, door. they also think it's hokey or that, yeah. you know, it's going to be like, come on, you know, like, I don't know. Like you just always see it on TV shows and movies. Like, you know, it's people go to this meeting and they're just doing something weird. And exactly. Like, you know, it's this weird cult of personality, you know, it's, well, let's talk about how, like, how are some of the ways, like, what are some of the, the delivery methods? What are some of the things that you can do? Uh, you know, like, I mean, obviously social media, and that's such a broad term. Mm-hmm. There's a, a infinite amount there, but you know what? It's a good place to start for yeah. a lot of people. And really it's just digital. I don't think it, social media is no different than anything else we were doing back in the early days of the web. Sure. I got on the web in 1994. So that means that I've been on the web for 24 years and there's been one week that I haven't been connected during the whole time. And I've been doing social media the whole time. That might have been the first year I saw internet that was faster than like the very first. Modem. Yeah. So yeah, it was super duper yeah. slow. That's you, when people were still saying it was going to, it was going to be a fad. You could understand the sounds of your modem to know if you got a fast connection or a slow connection and whether or not you need to reconnect and try again. Right. Um, but these were, this was such an early time to pioneer things. And I think today that's the how is, where are you going to stand out the most? Because when we look at YouTube and the YouTube stars of YouTube, you know, I'm going to VidCon in a couple months. The people who have made it have been on that channel for like six plus years. And they've been doing it for a long been time. hustling yeah. every yeah. single week, putting out new content. And, and they had the same audience that you probably have on YouTube, but they just kept committing to it. So one is, can you commit to it? And two, if you do, do you have that time period? where you'll stay there long enough and you'll be able to succeed. So if you, two years ago, if you would have been, I want to be a Vine star, well, that would have sucked for you, right? Because Vine shut down. Now you can't, your audience is gone. Um, well, so, y- your point brings up something that I think is really important, and that's having a well-rounded uh, social media or media presence. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think you still have to focus on, one, maybe two things that deliver your message, but, you know, don't have it all in one basket. And that was one of the things that I helped with the, the shoe store owner with is, you know, they had an Instagram account that had like 300,000 followers and then they had nothing else. Well, Instagram is a great example right now because people still have their eyes on it because the youngins still use it. Right. The thing is, like, you'll get on Instagram and within two years, you will not be able to reach your audience as a business. And when you're a personal brand, you're a business without paying money to get access to it. That's the same way Facebook went. It's less than a percent now of your followers will see your messages without promoted posts. And so one of the things I go back to the how is your how should always lead back to something that you owned, a mailing list, a website, somewhere where you can say, hey, you're doing these things, but I want you to be able to communicate with me on a consistent basis without all these other interactions of noise. I think one thing when it comes to social media that a lot of people don't get is how easy it is to desensitize everybody to everything you do. You have to have a reason for making that post. Mm-hmm. And it has to uh, inform or do something to possibly educate or entertain. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, you can quickly uh, uh, make people not care about anything, actually annoy them oh, yeah. by just too much goofy stuff. Look at Twitter, right? People yeah. are just posting. I don't, even, do, of I don't even use Twitter, man. I've tried and, you know, I've got like 
4,000 people that follow my Twitter. Yeah. And I don't even remember the last time I've made a post. Yeah. And most it's the people who are having conversations who are using the network as a place to interact with an audience and not just broadcast storm an audience. Right. And so that's what you got to think of social media as. Is this just your spray and pray tool where you're putting out a piece of content and you're just holding up a megaphone saying, hey, come look at this. Hey, come look at this. Hey, come look at this. And you're probably not doing it right. Are you familiar with the concept of building a tribe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seth it, Godin's book on tribes. Yeah. And that, now, and Seth Godin, you know, wrote a great book. And, you know, at this point, that thing's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. But the principle of, of, of what he's talking about with tribe building has been around for a long time. And it was actually not that book, but a friend of mine, Joel Cummins, who's the keyboardist in Humphreys McGee. Um, and, you know, they're coming up on their 2400th live show. Oh, wow. um, I mean, they sell out big venues and these guys are rock stars. But, you know, sometimes when I sit down with them, I just say, why, you know, like, or how, like, how did you make this happen? And, and you know, Joel kind of go back to that concept of the tribe. And it, and it really moved me when he explained it to me because I hadn't heard of Godin's book at that point, which he turned me on to. But he was really talking about getting the people that are following whatever it is that you're doing involved with each other. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not saying things about you or what you've done, said, did, or produced in a manner that you like, mm-hmm. like sometimes they're critical, but they're interacting with each other and what that, well, a very, and you know, Seth Godin actually uses this early in the book. He talks about the people that followed the grateful dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were, Half of those people, and maybe even more, were more interested in what was going on outside of the show than what was happening in it. Yeah. And that's a perfect concept, you know, example of tribes. So anything, you know, like, for example, we try to facilitate the Startup Hustle Facebook chat. And, you know, that's just trying to get people to talk about what we're doing. Like, if you want to join that group and you want to go in and say that you think that this episode sucks... I probably won't censor it unless you are completely out of line. Or if you're talking about me. Then yeah. You well, if, so if you're talking about Jeff, you can say whatever you want. You can post pictures, make, make comments, like memes are suggested. Okay, so we're talking about social media and this stuff. Like Now, I find that there's a huge difference between something like YouTube and podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just about like the way that you look. It also has to do with something that really popped a light bulb which was the fact that when it comes to a podcast, like how many of you folks are listening to this while you're doing something else? Oh, yeah, nearly everybody. And, and I didn't even fathom that until, you know, I read a book about podcasting. That's how I got ready for this show. I read, I, I got a free book on Kindle mm-hmm. and I didn't even read it. I just like skimmed it, like flick, 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 flick. And it said the thing about podcasting that is big is that you don't force someone to say no to something else. Yeah. You do it while you're listening to your la- doing your laundry or driving to work or working out yep. or it's just in the background. And that's why I always tell people when they say, How, what's the best link for a podcast? I really want to do a short podcast. And I go, well, what is your audience doing? Are they working out? Guess what? Short podcasts suck. Yeah. Because it's five minutes and then I have to interact with that device again. And I want to know, I want to just hit play and go. And so it's very much like, what are they doing when they're listening to it? When they're watching a video, are they watching it on their television or are they watching it on a device? Is it YouTube where there's a player and you can interject like interactions or is it, you know, television where you can't do anything with it? Is there family around or are they all alone? Um, Those are the kinds of things that will make 
you understand more about your audience's consumption habits. And then when you start to deliver on a regular basis, how well they will share it with other people. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we hit record today was actually the quality. Um, You know, things don't have to be Hollywood or Motown perfect. But at the same time, you have to not, uh, you know, when when it comes to things that we do at Gigabook, rule one, is this annoying? <laughs> and if the answer is even maybe, then we have work to do. And there's just a few little things like, you know, not having a totally terrible uh, recording quality. Yep. You know, for we don't, uh, or at least at this point, haven't had guests that we're interviewing over the telephone either. Yeah. And, you know, I think little things like that make a difference. Oh, yeah. You know, like you're here with me in the room right now. And that's the way, and I find that to be a completely different level of interaction and exchange oh, yeah. than it would be if you weren't in the same room with me. Um, you know, right now I'm, you know, winking at Jeff, so he'll say something clever. I'm actually not, but yeah, but you can still do that. And, you know, just like little things. So I think that that matters. So if you're going to put some stuff out, you're better off to do one thing that is well thought out or at least mildly thought out and has, you know, some quality around it rather than three, you know, kind of like you said, short pieces of crap. Yeah, absolutely. And I go back to what are they used to consuming? If they're used to consuming talk radio, guess what? Banter is great for that. Sure. If they're used to consuming TED Talks, then you got to keep it straight to the point and you got to get to that, that value. If, and in all of this, if they're not used to listening podcasts at all, then maybe that's not the best way to reach them. Because I think it's we get stuck in this. What do we want to do and not what right. the audience wants? Well, it's, it's like I said at the beginning, I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. I'll listen to the one that I'm editing because I actually do that for this podcast. But I don't listen to other people's now. I listen to talk sports radio or music on the way to and from work. Yeah. Occasionally, I listen to this podcast just to see if I'm doing something that's totally annoying. Yeah. And then I decide whether I want to do even more of it or none of it at all. But, and but, and it just like, I always like to look at the music industry as a great way to find analogies and examples of how to do it and not do it. And right. like an example for this situation would be Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines, right? He, Garth Brooks was at the height of his career. He'd done all these number one hits. People could just like non-country singer or listeners knew who he was. And he went in as his persona, Chris Gaines, and started to produce non-country music. And it was like this huge flop. Like he wore a wig or he changed his hairstyle and he changed it up. And it was like, what is that? But he had built up a big enough audience that he could turn that thing off. And then go back to being Garth Brooks and everybody's like, okay, whatever. Um, but there's, but he's built that rapport with them for long enough. He didn't continue to deliver so many things that were a variety. He didn't keep up the pop music. He didn't flip over to rap music and country and just keep doing Well, in, in music and even the kind of media that we're talking about, in many ways, you're only as good as your last couple things and you got to realize dr dre was a good example of that and you know there's a great uh series called uh, on the defiant ones yeah um on hbo four-part series and i've watched that thing like five times but you know he had a couple albums that flopped yeah and they were bad like people wrote the guy off yeah and uh well he did pretty well after that yeah 
And, and, you know, that's an example of, you know, just because you did something that sucked, you got to sometimes you just got to do it again. Yeah. And you know what? Be, make fun of yourself. And I think the big thing yeah. is you got to you got to know your audience, know what they want and know where they're going to go. So you can try things, but don't try something that doesn't fit the audience you have or yourself or yourself. Yeah. So uh, you've written a couple books. Yeah. One with a publisher and then one self-published. Okay, I've written two books. I have a third one coming out this year. Um, I can't talk about what that's about yet, but it's a little different than the other ones that I've done. So uh, this, hopefully this doesn't stretch this part of the podcast out for another hour because we could probably do a completely different episode about writing a book as part of your personal brand. Um, do you have to be a good writer to write a good book? Yes and no. I think you have to be a good writer to have enough words that you could so you can't sit down, put a piece of paper out there and not fill it. If, it, if it's hard for you to put the words together, then you're not going to be able to be a good writer. But however, does your grammar have to be perfect? Do you have to know like correct sentence structure? No, you have editors, you have people, you've got tools out there. Grammarly is like the yeah, most amazing, amazing. No, box no, you can spend a year. It really is. It's like, it's, it's think of a word spell check on crack. Grammarly is amazing, man. Like I, I've, I, oh gosh, there's a lot of ways that I've uh, sped up the, the process of content creation, um, making transcripts and then running them through Grammarly. Absolutely. Um, And that's what I was going to say. If you can't write, if you can't type the words out of the pencil's hard for you to use things like rev.com and some of their automation tools will let you speak into a microphone and then have the text come out on the other side. It's really funny because some people are better at that part. Like they can talk to the mic all day, but they can't get it to come out their hands now. uh, So you have two books. What'd you learn from, well, first off, do you make any money selling books? Uh, I would say bet for a couple thousand dollars and that's about it. So no. Yeah. Okay. I would say you will not recoup your costs per se, <laughs> but it just goes back to all these other mediums. A now, book is the same thing as a personal brand. Do you get work out of it? Do you get other ways to monetize it? I'd say absolutely. So it, I, I've had a lot of really in- when it comes to my books, the most popular question that I get asked about them is, is it available on Audible? <laughs> yeah, which, um, which uh, wow, I know, kind of pretty... tells you the whole st- state of the publishing yeah. industry. But then a lot of people. So Million Dollar Bedroom uh, last year when it came out in July was the number one new release in the small business category on Amazon. Which is where people buy books. Yeah. All right. Now, I was self-published. I wasn't in the channels that get me New York Times or anything mm-hmm. like that. Now, with that, a lot of people after asked me, they're like, man, you must have sold a lot of books and made a lot of money. Nope. Yeah. Um, let me tell you why. 1.2 million new books came out last year. Yep. And then those piled on top of the roughly 600 years of existing literature we've already got. And then it coupled that or however you want to phrase it with the fact that there are a gazillion different types of media to compete with books right now. And that's not really a recipe for uh, and free selling too. books. Free yeah, media. Free, yeah, exactly. Think about uh, blogs are free. Books I actually are- gave both of my books away last year over the uh, week that kind of uh, went over 4th of July. 
and uh, I actually hit number one in six different categories for free. And yeah. it wasn't until that point I realized that there are like 5,000 lifetimes of free books on yeah. Amazon. And like, not crap. They're, some of them are good. Well, and that's just it. A lot of them whole, are good. There's a whole gaming system on Amazon self-publishing that if you give it out for free during the first week, that they will promote you higher. And then when you mm-hmm. get to that height, you t- put a price on it. And then all of a sudden, you're the best book. And now you cost $2. So you've that's, shown people free. I tried that. It did not work for me. I went from number one to like number a million yeah like really fast it's really funny because all the amazon rankings for books are in real time yeah so you realize how few books other people are selling because if you you can sell one book and go from like four hundred thousand to like 150 so our book the first book uh professional sharepoint development in 2007 once again as i pointed out on a previous episode that sounds like a riveting topic 900 pages of nerd talk god that sounds Um, terrible okay and so did you write all that no, we had oh nine God. authors. So um, I would say you would need to. And we had our faces all on the cover, too. So that's how nerdy <laughs> it was. It's a, a, a gaggle of nerds on the front cover. But the publisher put it on sale. And when they put it on sale, we were ranked 44 of all books sold on Amazon. So you go to Amazon top sellers, and it's like Michael Crichton, and then our book, and Ron Paul, right? So and even then, I didn't ever make more money yeah. than the original a couple thousand dollar investment from the publisher. Because even though it was a fifty dollar book, you get such a small percentage of it when you go through another distribution channel, and then so, yeah. so you're never going to take it. But that's not the point of writing the book. Well, for us, it was the nine hundred page business card I could drop on clients. Yep. And it was like I could print out a blog post and bring it here and put it on your desk. And I just put trash on your desk. Yeah, exactly. If I bring a book and sit oh, yeah. on your desk, I give you something of value. And that's it's, real, it's kind of funny, too, because the things before I wrote my books and I say books, because first off, I published two books in in four months. Yeah. Now. I learned a lot from the first book to the second book. Um, I wrote the second book in like what felt like the blink of an eye. Um, I hired a very experienced editor. Um, By the way, I think the greatest part about writing a book is definitely finishing it. Um, And then I think that most people don't realize it's a hell of a lot more work than you thought it is. And it's not just about writing a bunch of words and then you give it to an editor and here it is a book. Like I had multiple types of editors. You know, you've got, you know, an editor that basically is in many ways like your muse, like tries to guide you through the whole thing. You have a content editor and you have a copy editor in the end. And, And um, wow. But I, I felt really great. And if you're listening to this, Patrick Price, thank you for teaching me how to write. Um, and he did that really quickly. And I, I listened to him because I'd hired him for a reason. Fortunately, this guy had, has been the editor on about a dozen New York Times bestsellers. Yeah. And most and, of the times a ghostwriter, too. Yeah. Yeah. He not him personally, but he's actually worked with a lot of people like I didn't even realize like Tori Spelling has four bestsellers. Oh, really? Mommy would. Okay. It's about being a mom yeah. and the hustle an and audience. bustle of Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah, and like Lance Bass and some other people like that. And, um, you know, that was important to me to find someone that had already uh, navigated the waters in the category that I wanted to be in. And he it's it's funny, too, because I was trying to take my voice out of the book. 
Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Put it back in. He's like, hey, wait, no, put it back in. And once I realized that was okay, because honestly, I never saw myself as a writer. And in fact, I don't think I ever got higher than a C yeah. in an English or composition related course. But one of my best plugs I'll give here for writing is uh, a, a gal who's amazing named Ann Hanley wrote a book called Everyone Writes or Everybody Writes or Everyone is that like everyone two. poops? Sort of, but it, so it is, it is kind of sort of. It, it, what I would say is that it's entertaining. It's for everybody, and it's anyone yeah. who thinks that they they can't get into writing because they don't have the skill set, or they don't have the time commitment, or they don't have the understanding of style and and those approaches. She breaks all of that in the book. She has one sentence paragraphs all over the place and it's her voice. It's your book, man. Write it however the hell you want to and do when it. When you're reading yeah. that book, it feels like she's yep. reading it to you and you have such an interpersonal relationship with her. The first time you meet her, it feels like you know her. That's that's and, a comment that I got a lot with Million Dollar Bedroom. And I mean a whole lot. I'm talking like perfect strangers, people I've never met. I don't know them from X, Y, or Z. They've never heard a podcast or seen a YouTube video. And they're just finding me. And they're saying, hey, man, I thought your book was great. And I yeah. felt like I was just talking to an old friend. I was like, sweet. That's what I was going for. And that's for. the ultimate goal, I think, of bringing it back to personal brands is when somebody reads your blog and they come up and they meet you is that you've been having a relationship yep. with somebody you don't know. And now it's your job to take it to the next level, right. to continue to grow that. The level. podcast has done some of that too. Like there's definitely some people that like, um, uh, Sinue, I know you're listening to this. Like this is one of our very first, we'll call him the, the, one of the earliest adopters of the podcast. And, you know, I'm mentoring this guy now because I think he's a great guy and his business will do well. And he actually listens. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time and he's yeah. been very supportive and I just feel like helping. I mean, throughout our trip in yeah. Europe, I'm listening to the podcast when I'm working. And I'll advertising my T-shirt yeah. line of and Respect the Hustle. So I'm sitting down working. I'm getting stuff done. I'll put it on because it's an entertaining show. Yep. And I feel... Are you talking about this show? Yeah, I feel like the guests you guys have on the show are people I really want to learn from. Yeah, except for today. Except for Matt. I know. I may, well, I've yeah. learned enough from Matt. Maybe. You know, we were <laughs> we were going to make the topic of today's show the top ten reasons why Matt Watson's richer than us, and then I would probably had to put another zero on that. He's yeah. pretty good at what he does. No, Matt's I love hosting this with Matt. He's a um, it's kind of a weird little fire and ice combo because you know I'm the non technical founder without a doubt, and <laughs> things that he thinks are really important. Sometimes I'm like, no. I, you know, before we keep, before we move on, I, I actually want to give two tips to anybody that's trying to write something. Um, I get a lot of people that have come up to me since the publication of my book and, you know, they're like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, I've been thinking about it for 20 years. I'm like, why haven't you written it? I don't know. What do I need to do? You need to start writing something. Yep. And that kind of goes into my second part. Look, just barf it out. Like, don't look in the rearview mirror. And uh, I have... <laughs> and calls it the ugly first draft. Yeah, like, I don't even. Don't, I don't even look back. You don't put it on. Any, I, you don't. Print I've it had some days where I had a day on the current on the next book that I have coming out, and my I blew my editor's mind with this. I wrote thirteen thousand words in a day. Yeah, because I don't look back. Yeah, and uh, in my first book, I wanted to do that. You want to go back and look all those words that you're trying to groom and manicure. It's someone else is, that's smarter than you at that is going to change most of them or do a lot of stuff. Like get it all out. And, you know, once that's done, 
figure out what you got after that. Yeah. And if you're paying an editor, let them do their job. So from your books, what, uh, you know, actually I want to share one, one story The I knew I wanted to write a book early, like in my late twenties, I say early in my professional career. So I was in, uh, living in Washington, DC and I worked at a piano store and a guy came in who, uh, his name is Tobin Smith. And Tobin is one of the hosts of a CNBC show called Bulls and Bears. Okay. And he's a really nice guy, very interesting. I didn't even know who the hell he was until he, I kind of talked to him. I was like, hey, what do you do? And uh, I said to him, I was like, yeah, I've always really wanted to write a book. And I gave him that line. I was like, do you make a lot of money off selling your book? He was like, shit. He's like, you don't write the book to make money off selling the book. You write the book because of what the book's going to do for you after. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. So I like I fully embraced that the whole time um, and accepted it. And, you know, it's fun, man. It's 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 I, I keep telling myself, I'm like, OK, I wrote my books. And then I start another one mm-hmm. and I start another one. And I think I'll keep writing them. I mean, it's just for me, it's just kind of more so like, well, in both of my current books, I've had a lot of different people that I had, quote unquote, conversations with. And, you know, kind of like hosting a podcast or having people on, there's a, a weird bond mm-hmm. that kind of comes with, you know, publishing someone else's words. Like Matt Watson was in Million Dollar Bedroom and that business started in a bedroom or yeah. a basement or wherever. It's same story. So, um, you know, that, that part of it's been kind of interesting. Uh, one thing I will tell you is the next book is related to the music industry. Oh, yeah. And I've got some very interesting people in it. Well, speak of that, one of my friends uh, from LinkedIn and this pulls together two times. He's uh, he's LinkedIn. He's a marketing guy. He writes marketing content. But then at night, he's a photographer, and he goes to concerts and, and mm. does concert photography. And he's yeah. amazing at it. Right. He could be a concert photographer. Yeah. Or he Except could, for those guys don't make any exactly. money. Exactly. So he's got these two worlds. But um, in his marketing stuff, and, and all this stuff leads back to marketing, he talks about things like books being uh, the big rocks. And then out of the big rocks, you have slices of turkey that aren't they aren't valuable on their own as their own asset is, but they lead to the big rocks. So they lead to the thing like the book. So to take a blog to book strategy to write blog posts, totally different, and then convert it to a book, yeah. that might be an approach for you. Or I think to, it's totally different. Yeah, I think yeah. you write the book and then you come up with little slices off of it yeah. that you could put out. So maybe it is the audible side. I've had maybe. enough I've had enough leftovers from both books to actually publish yeah. like five or six blogs off of each that were pretty lengthy. Exactly. But for your book, you did an interview you did an interview approach. So videotape the interviews or record the mm-hmm. interviews and then get the permission to publish sure. those. And now you have all this little ass that go with the bigger asset and then that helps that book scale yeah. out and grow well i think that's what we should we, you know we didn't really mention enough here is you can really link a lot of these things together and some of them are you know other media platforms that you can link and even automate you know uh, but with that you know what are some of the things that your book writing or other stuff and i'm doing air quotes right now has led to so for me, let's talk about this latest book because it was my own book and I was able to publish it and do everything on it. Um, so the goal of the book was to be able to share some core concepts about agile marketing. Agile marketing is taking agile principles and applying it to marketing. Um, and so through it, I had a book and then I had an hour long session, a half day workshop, 
a two-day workshop, and then ongoing consulting out of it. Also, at the same time, when you're interacting with all those people, there's a whole lot of other revenue avenues that my business, which helps marketing teams from a technical and a marketing perspective, can monetize. So I wanted to get people to read the book, to go out and come to a session that I'm presenting in a town, to then come to a free two or four hour workshop, then to potentially come to a free full day workshop to bring me into their team for a private workshop and then to engage with me on a business level. But I was happy with... Do you sell a lot of books after you give those presentations? I give the books away. You know, it's I I don't. If I get if I'm giving a free speech, I will sell the, my books for like ten bucks yeah. after. And honestly, like last fall, I did uh, four straight days at Global Entrepreneurship Week, and I sold a bunch of books after yeah. each one. You know, I even gave a few away too. Like I gave away a, 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 about a five pack of them, and then the rest of the people would often want to buy. So them. One of my friends, he gets to go out with Tony Robbins and speak at Tony Robbins events, and so he was on. Is, the it, same is he way. like the opening act? He's well. They Tony Robbins has like bigger events now yeah. that have like other categories of other speakers, but they're all right. like badasses. And the guy was kind of in the same principle, like I'll go and I'll sell my book. And Tony was like, no, 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 put something together. That's expensive. Something yeah. that's like, cause that's the quality of the person we're bringing there. It's different than most of the events we get to speak at, but I would say a line. No, well, no, I, the, those are the only free speaking engagements I've ever done. Yeah. Um, but see, here's for yeah. me. So if I can get, I, when I speak, I want to find some sort of value out of that. Money is not necessarily valuable to me if it's for speaking. $2,000 for a speaking gig, I could have made more staying at home writing software. Well, that's why I have to charge for it because but, my opportunity cost and wherever I'm going or whatever I'm not doing. Not necessarily. Not, Building and getting access to 2,000 marketers is sure. a hell of a lot more expensive than $2,000. But when you're going to speak to the fraternity executives of America or something like that. Are they potentially yeah. customers? And if not, I was actually their keynote speaker at their event last year, which was a great time. And I met a lot of cool people, but I didn't have a whole lot of. But see, that's just it. Like when you're talking to an audience that you don't necessarily care about, or it's not your audience, then sure, charge for it if you need the money. But don't do it if you don't need the money. I had to travel. I went to Tampa for that. Exactly. And that was just a, that was just my own time. But to balance that out and add that value at that point, I did actually give them. They, well, they bought five hundred of my books. Yeah. And so that's it. So if it's to and they help were smart you sell too. They books, found someone to sponsor that, uh, which made it even more. I always find a sponsor. More, yeah. Always find yeah. a sponsor. I'm, will you sponsor this show, this me, episode? Me? Yeah. For how much? For lunch. For lunch. I, well, yeah. I'll, this episode brought to you by Jeff Julian and will, Square we Digital. We paper, rock, scissors. And if I win, oh I'll my still God. buy lunch. You know, let's just, do that. I wanted to do that. Thank you for bringing the, we're going to do that right now. Oh, DeCourcy wins again. He, does, he is amazing. I want to point out, I am undefeated. I am like the Floyd Mayweather Jr. without the really bad strippers and gambling and tax evasion problems. <laughs> when it comes to this part of no, that's but I was I actually wanted you to win because I think nothing would have made Matt miss being here. Well, you know more than that. You know that this is audio, and so no one can see what's happening. So let's won, do it again. No, I won. And, <laughs> no, that's it. See. You get one shot at this. You can come back and do it again. I tell. I've told but I do want to bring back 
You know, Matt beats me all the time when we're not recording. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's just playing it. It's like, uh, you're not. No, he's not. Trust he's me. He's like a pool shark. He even bought me a t shirt that says Rochambeau champion. Like, he's been a, he's been a, a lovable loser on that. But when it comes to personal brand stuff, you're going to get pulled in so many directions that are going to take you away from your goal. Yeah. And if everything you do in a personal brand, everything you put out should have some form of value that's going to come back to you. So, like, I'm speaking at an event in Iowa that is in, like, in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. And there's only four or five other speakers there. But I looked at my audience and I don't have anybody in that area. So for me, going there and getting access to a couple hundred people and being able to woo them in for an hour, they have to sit there and listen to me. It's better than podcasting because I can stop podcasting. I can stop listening to podcasts. They can't get up and leave at an event like that. They could at the, they could at the last one that I spoke at. I mean that, and that can actually be kind of distracting. Yeah, but it's one of those things. Like so I get access to them, I get the chance to woo them in. I get the chance of setting up and finding some relationships there that would then grow that audience in that area. And a couple hundred people targeted for a marketing team is huge for me. So I'm doing it for free. He says he's going to pay for stuff. I'm that, like, just, that's it. I mean that's it's clearly targeted and has some, you know, well-rounded intent between going there. And, you know, that's another thing too, is, is with a lot of the stuff, there are certainly a lot of things that can suck a lot of time. Now, earlier we said, is this going to happen fast? No, it's not even going to come happen close to fast for a a small hand, much like the world of startups where you have a unicorn, you'll have a few people like it actually shocks me how well this podcast has gone especially how much time we've spent talking about how nothing will go right for you right away. And then the podcast kind of defied that. So thank you for those that have supported and listened. But I think a lot of that's because of the fact that we're pretty non-commercial about it. We're just kind of doing what we do. I I got both Matt and I have so many things going on. Like this is almost like a a break from that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why sometimes we have a regular schedule and sometimes we don't. Well, and I think like for your audience, like we're all guys who are hard charging guys. So we tend to not have a lot of friends we hang out with. We, if you think of like, we don't, we don't go out to <laughs> bars and drink every night. We'd rather work. I you know, were up at 5 a.m. and I was at McDonald's. I actually wasn't up at 5 a.m. I was up at 2.30 a.m. I decided to come here to the office. At I was at my office at McDonald's. Yeah, you're making me feel really sad video. and lonely about myself. It, you know, and you're right. So these conversations that, one, we get to listen to on the outside, feels like we're sitting here on your couch. And so it is that that much of a just a conversation between two people that I can interject in. And at the same time, for you and Matt, it's a way to actually have this bonding over a beer moment that well, everybody else gets. It is kind of like that because you know what? I turn off my phone, I close my laptop, and there's no notifications in my life right now. And on some levels, that's kind of And so oh, that's why soothing. when you attract the audience, you're attracting attracting them on an emotional level. Not on an information level. Yeah. And you've got to blend that when you're thinking of your personal brand is how do you make this something that would be something you love and something somebody else loves? And I use that word because it's the only thing that we use as a word to represent something that is enjoyment. It's something I want to strive to do. It's something I could make money for. Or it could be a hobby, but it's it's in me. It's a passion. I think for myself, I just like, you know, I'm such a junkie when it comes to business and like all parts of it. Like, and it's kind of, you talk about like, uh, 
maybe you don't have a lot of friends. You know, it's funny. The friends that I have, when we hang out, we talk about business. Yeah, they're business and, guys. Yeah, they owe all of them. And I almost don't want to hang out with you if you're not, because I'm, I'm just, I feel like on some, some levels, I might kind of come across as rude or disinterested. And then maybe it's because I am. Um, I just enjoy it. And like, even when I do lay down and watch TV or something, it's shows about business, movies about business. Like I watch these shows where they mine gold. Because I'm like, wow, that's a hustle. They got to work really hard to get that little tiny jar of gold, and it's worth how much? Yeah, you know. And and uh, I mean, one of my favorite shows is actually The Profit. Have you seen that with no. Marcus Lemonis? Uh, he fixes broken businesses. Oh, okay. And I love that because yeah, it's like something I really, I just really like doing those. it. You know, yeah. myself. If your business is broken, call me. I'd love to help you fix it. I really do enjoy it. Now. Let's go ahead and kind of move towards resolving this. I think that we. All right. So you want a couple crazy stats? Sure. <clears throat> we launched this podcast on December 11th, 2017. And here we are. What's today? Oh, it's Pi Day, 314. Been listened to in 90 countries. Yeah. Can you name 90 countries? Because no. it would take me a very long no. time. I can't believe that that happened. But as I told a few people that, they said, well, how'd you get it out there? I, I, it, for me, it was very simple. I actually joined about 50 groups on Facebook about startups. Mm -hmm. And for our first 10 episodes, I posted a well thought out and eye catching thumbnail and a link to the show. Yep. And honestly, after that 10th episode, I quit doing it. Yeah. Um, why did I quit doing it? I, well, cause it takes a little while to do that in 50 groups. And also yeah. I just don't really, I didn't really want to be that guy. You don't push the car whenever it starts. I, I'll put them. I will still post a thumbnail and a link for if it's related, like, you know, I'm in a, a startup Kansas city group, which I don't know, it's got like 3,500 people in it. And if I'm interviewing someone from Kansas city, then I'll post in that group. Yep. Are you in that? Are you in that community? Yeah. All right. So you get it and you've yeah. seen it, and, you know, and honestly, that's been a big epicenter of support because we've had nothing but Kansas City people on. Here. Yeah. Now, yeah. is that always going to be the way? I don't know. I, yeah. These are the folks that can come here and sit in the studio. I don't care as much that you're from Kansas City as much as I do that you can come and interact. And the with fact us. that Matt hasn't talked to the Kauffman Foundation about some sort of grant sponsorship, whatever. I don't know. We, look, this isn't if we <laughs> we'd. <laughs> It's it, we've joked about this a lot because, you know, like, I mean, I, my page, I don't have, I don't get a paycheck. Yeah. I can't, I, the last time I collected a paycheck, I mean, maybe good for me that I don't yeah. necessarily no, need money. it. No, I want it. I still want to make money. You but feel it's like more so you move a big bunch of money over and then you take that bunch and you take your taxes and move to a different account or you'd spend it. Okay. We can't talk about this. It's no, it's uh, it all in, went into Bitcoin right before it took. Yeah. A right. Uh, but you know, the, I want to go, I think that I want to like, this is a good, we probably should have said this in like the fifth minute. You don't have to have a lot of, a lot of money or resources to build your personal brand. Like everything we've never bought an ad for this show. I did it all through Facebook and some LinkedIn posts and just like also asking the people that have been on it, like, hey, you know, I don't even require it. I say, if you want to post a link for other people and maybe that's what happens yeah. now. But and that would go back to that. You have 
like from a long-term trajectory, you don't have a one to three year goal for this podcast. No, I don't. We don't have any goals with it because it's a it's yeah. a community driven piece yeah. of content. You're just pushing it out there. Now, if you did have those things, then you would probably see that your promotion side should be actually. I, I you know what? I need to take that back because I do have some long-term goals, but it's more related around. Like here locally, I'm a big advocate of trying to get people to do business with each other. Now, look, I've got an office on the other side of the world in the Philippines. I've done multiple episodes about that. I'm not just totally local centric, but I feel like this show is a good way to bring more people together here in the local market. And, you know, for those that are listening outside Kansas city, okay, look, this is Kansas city. Yeah. You know, if we drive, if we get in my car and drive 20 minutes in any direction, we see cows Mm. and that is real. Now I'm not a farmer and that's not the way it is. I see cows on the way home. I I, I live literally on the edge (laughs) of the cows. Yeah. Like I can drive five minutes in any direction from my house that isn't North. Yeah. (laughs) I find cows, but you know, I think it's important for, you know, I think a lot of times that we look past the things that are right in front of us. Yeah. And and I and I also enjoy like maybe it, maybe it is me. Maybe I'm just maybe I am that lonely guy <laughs> with no friends. And I, I like swear, the conversation getting, and I like you're getting the, so I like many endorphins released in your brain that's making you feel so good about your week. And then by the time it's over, you just want to do it. You want it again because it's not your audience isn't sitting there going, oh, no, they didn't have an episode this week because you haven't been around for years. Some of them do. Right. Some. Do, yeah, but the ones, the ones, and, and you know, like, in regards to that, like that's another thing too that that Matt and I had talked about is you know we do this when we have time yeah. and when we can, and um, this isn't what we're relying on in a lot of other things. And you know, like if we can, and here's the thing: I release the shows as we make them. Yeah, I don't keep them around, and and sometimes that's why there might be three in a week, and yeah. then there might not be one the next week. And is that the most calculated approach? No, but I don't really see the reason in hanging on exactly. to it for too long either. You, you, and your goals, your audience's goals, all work in that way. And that, so what I'm saying is, like as as you progress, your goals will change. And let's say, you how do you say, know? How do you know it's working? Let's say you have it's working if you enjoy it. And it goes back to if you have no one listening to it, but you really like it. Hey, you're fine. It's yeah, good. I agree. I agree. It's if you have 10 100 percent, because if you have like I look at Gary V's audience right now and it's all these young kids that want to be like owners, but never like did it. And then it is the entrepreneurs of the world that listen to them that are tr- hustling. They're doing it. It's not large company executives buying very expensive agencies like VML or media, right? Gary Media, his his media branch, Vander Media. So he's building an audience over here of people he can sell all this stuff to, that he can go out and speak and do all these things. He's not building awareness for Vander Media and building engagement there. And so that's fine for him. He can do I think that, that trickle down effect is good too. Yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah. good to have your yeah. name out there. It's good to be to build awareness. But the audience doesn't necessarily match the people who would buy from this company. And that's I, I think if you go into stuff like building the personal brand, I think, you know, it's funny because I've, I've spent some time wondering, like, why has this podcast been successful? And I think on a lot of levels, it's maybe just because, like I said, it's not been a commercial. Like, it's just been like, hey, let's do this and see what happens. I, if you're listening to this, it, it's really funny because some, sometimes people are like, well, where's your studio? 
Jeff and I are sitting in my office right now, and we have a mic stand with a $120 microphone that is plugged into my Mac. Mm-hmm. That's the studio for the startup hustle. Like, and that is the, the stand costs half as much as the microphone. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a less nice than 200 bucks. It doesn't make any lots money. of other, lots of other, you know, existing stuff. And that shows you, you can do something. I actually paid more to have the logo designed yeah. than I did for the equipment. So for my podcast, I bought ads once to test the water and it sort of worked, but it didn't necessarily help. And so I pulled those ads off. And so the way I look at podcast is distribution and then how fast I want to grow and how quick I can monetize the audience. Because if I bring the audience to Enterprise Marketer and I don't have anything to sell them, then that cost of hosting, the cost of quality, the cost sure. of all this stuff is sure. going to go up before I can ever recoup any costs. Right, right. And, and, that, so, and, that, and it has a, des- a different design intention yep. than this, which like, and you'll hear Matt and I say in the very, in episode one, why are we doing this therapy? Yeah. Exactly. It gives me a chance to bitch and But let's, let's think through that. So you got a team now. You could potentially source that team with other startups so that they have access to technology guys who are used to working with startups. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, I could actually monetize the podcast. Man, that would and take make, that. We could, maybe. So let's say maybe <laughs> I could potentially get to the point to where we're making $200,000 revenue off of that. And if I invest $20,000 in promotion. And you got to think about like how like promotion to a particular audience to get there faster than how much will my money grow in sure. the second year for now. Right. So that's why I, I don't discount people who promote with advertising and promote with, uh, you know, getting out and, and doing different events and doing things that get readership or listenership or readership or, you know, people to watch your stuff. I, I think most people don't have 20 grand to do that. Like, all right, I haven't actually ever told anyone this. It costs me just under a hundred grand to get both of my books out to market in the level of quality yeah. and through the amount of labor that I, you know, I had, most of that was my editor. Yeah. Um, Cause I hired him full time for nine months, but then, you know, I had a lot of other things and, and I felt like that was a worthwhile investment. I'm a guy that graduated from high school. I've been to five colleges and now I'm a junior, but overall, you know, I felt like that was a good investment for myself and it, I felt like it's paid off. And, you know, you'd say it, when do you know it's working? Well, I've had fun doing it. Yeah. Um, the books, like, I don't, if you like them, great. If you don't, I mean, sorry. Yeah. I, you know, it is what it is. I, 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 probably given away as many as I've, I've sold. And that's a lot on both sides, yeah. but I love giving books. Yeah. I, I, give, yeah. I love giving people gifts. Yeah. I it's mean, they cost great. me like a dollar 50 to print it's great because I ordered a truckload it. of them. most books sit on shelves anyway. Yeah. It's great when but, or actually it. most books don't even sit on the shelves. They get sent back. Yeah. I, um, yeah. It's a badge of honor to go into half price books and see your, your work there. <laughs> I, I think the thing that I enjoyed was that seeing my own signed books for sale on eBay. Yeah. So now I personalize all of them because I want to know who the fuck yeah. you are. If you're selling the book that I gave you for free with my signature in it for three but bucks. like you, Yeah. If yeah. you think the... Can you just give, just give it away? Just yeah. give it to someone else, please. The publishing industry is so messed up that when my book came out, there were used copies for it and there were zero prints. I yeah. had not updated. I pre-released it. 
but I had not uploaded you, the information to you know Amazon. What a lot books. of that is, is did you send advanced copies out? No. Oh, I did. For my first book, no, I sent out a whole bunch. My second book, I didn't. What I'm I, saying is like I didn't hire a, a, a publicist or anything. I, it was like you know what? I'm yeah. just going to drop this on Amazon. That that underlying store that people can sell you stuff. So new or used, people run algorithms yeah. and say, "Hey, yeah. oh, I yeah. can sell this for three dollars more yeah. and make profit off of it." Yeah, totally. I, I've I noticed that as well. Um, and they, they those things matriculate to sell you in different places. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. You can you can publish. We if we wanted to, we could publish a book and have it for sale on Amazon in a few hours. Oh yeah. There's actually a guy that did it, and the book was called. It was a kind of a to show how simple, fast, and easy it was. And the book was called like My Left Foot or something like that. And it was a book that consisted of nothing other than pictures of this guy's left foot. Yeah. And he literally launched an ebook that fast. So, well, man. We talked for a little while here, huh? Yeah, we might. We probably split this into two. And I think nah, we we'll give it all away at once. <laughs> I think the bottom line here is is that there's a lot of value to building a personal brand. There's a lot of upside to it. Um, I mean, hopefully, you got some good stuff in here. I mean, I don't even think we had all the things that well, maybe we did that are on our little uh, note card here. But you know, as far as look, you're never going to get it done if you never start. Yeah. And it was the same advice that I have for people that say, I want to write a book. What do I need to do? You need to start writing. Mm-hmm. How much have you written? None of it. Okay. Well, that ain't going to get it done. Yeah. I, a podcast, pull your phone out, record something with the recorder, send it to some friends. If you have a Mac, you can pretty much do about anything. And if you have a Windows PC, you can do twice of what you can do. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, man. The Surface is outselling the MacBook Pro. It's amazing. I would never know because I'm so institutionalized yeah. through Apple. But, you know, the thing that the reason I say that is it is so much of the things that are built into it. Maybe they're in the PC based stuff now. But, you know, the the, uh, the I quit using my my uh, really expensive camera because my iPhone 10. Yeah. Records an amazing quality. Yeah. I'm like, why do I even need this? And then also the sound quality and just so many different things. Find a room that's quiet talk to your phone. It's not hard to put up a podcast. I'm devaluing what we've done, but it's just not hard. It's, yeah. it's really not. And not all personal branding content needs to be digital. Right. So if you're a, if you're a fitness guy and you're a personal trainer, there are so many parks like it looks like in Kansas city, the park right next to the plaza has all this equipment outside. So go there once a week on the same time and give free training for the people who show up and just like, Hey, I will help you inform on all this equipment. That's content. That's personal brand. That's something people will get excited about and come. You might even get media coverage at some point from somebody else, but it allows you to build the market from yourself and to help people. Cause I think that's part of personal brand is to help people where they are right. without actually charging them or without actually charging them beyond what is acceptable for building that awareness because it's brand. I'm not even sure I'm going to do this yet, but I've been thinking about just giving one of my books away for free. Yeah. I just don't really sell a ton of them. And it's like, well, honestly, every that, single episode, it has saying, more useful content in it. Like ask, cause you guys are constantly saying, Hey, ask us your questions at the end of every episode. Say, Oh yeah. Ask, ask us, us your, your questions. Yeah. So ask us your questions and we'll do a drawing. 
Yeah. And then, the, and then if you're in the it, the problem with the, that is then I have to send out the book. And yeah. I'm really terrible at that. But you know what? I did just hire some new local help. So maybe I just don't need to do yeah. it anymore. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So after this episode, I'm telling you. No, it's, I, I was referring more to the digital side, like, because it doesn't cost me any money on I Kindle. And by the way, if they have a subscription to Kindle Unlimited, they were going to get it yeah. for free. You anyway. get an enterprise marketer yeah. and you sign up, you get yeah. a free book. You Why? make about 25 cents if someone reads your book yeah. through Kindle subscription. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming in. Um, Man, I, I, hopefully everyone found something useful out of this. Uh, you know, Watson will be back when he's back. He's just on he's nice just, Yeah, he's just doing I can't say much. We were in Europe for you were, Yeah, you were gone for a long time. And then there's me. I haven't really – I went to Cebu and people treated me like I went on vacation. They were, they were like, what did you do? I was like, I worked the whole freaking time yeah. I was there. Like, I flew for like long? 20 hours. And then, and then I worked and then, and then I, I came back and then I worked again. some more. And like I can't remember that I'm actually going to take a vacation this summer. And I'm just not very good at vacation, man. Like I go on vacation and then I'm like – I don't know, read Million Dollar Bedroom, you'll see that I was on my honeymoon with, I was getting married and my honeymoon when I was talking my wife's ear off about what a great idea I had for an online booking platform. Yep. Oh, God. All right. Well, I was going to buy you lunch for coming and doing this, and then you you doubled down and lost yeah. it back to me. So anyway, see, every, see you all next time. Yep. Later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.